We're continuing this morning our sermon series in the Psalms, which is a fun thing to say, the sermon series in the Psalms titled Worship in Technicolor. And uh, as if you've been uh, with us for a few weeks, you know that the Psalms are wisdom literature, and uh, the Psalms really give us language, they give us words that allow us to worship God in every season of our lives. That's why it's in Technicolor, whether we're doing well, we're doing poorly, we're good times and bad times, when we're happy, when we're sad, the Psalms gives us language to speak to God and worship Him in those moments. And this morning's passage, we're going to be studying Psalm 23, uh, and the title of this sermon is Praise the Good Shepherd. If you do have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Psalm 23, I'll give you a little time, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, we do have some in the back, and we can get those for you as well, you can raise your hand, uh, they're on in the back there. Um, but this psalm, uh, Psalm 23, is particular, it's a psalm of praise. It was written by King David. King David, as many of you know, uh, was a shepherd as a young boy. And this psalm is written from the perspective of a little sheep. It's like one little sheep nudging his buddy sheep and saying, hey man, my shepherd's the best shepherd. And, uh, and that's what we've got here. We've got one sheep bragging to his buddy sheep about his shepherd is the best shepherd. Uh, as a parent, I tend to do a lot of bragging in my kids. Um, just this week, we had uh, a, a, like a whole week where the kids just would not clean their rooms. It was, you know how it is. And, uh, and one morning, they got up early with a little bit of prompting and uh, spent like an hour and a half just like fully cleaning the room. They swept it. Uh, they picked everything up. They also took markers and colored on the walls, but we'll look past that little piece. Um, and when they were done, we, we, just, we wanted to just brag about what a great job they did. We told them, man, so, so much. thank you so much for cleaning these rooms. We were bragging about them. We were praising them for their hard work. And, and these psalms, this psalm in particular, gives us the vocabulary and a pattern for praising God in the midst of difficult circumstances. How do we praise God uh, in these moments? And, and my heart for you this morning was that as we read this psalm, as we study this passage verse by verse that your heart would be stirred to praise God. You'd be stirred to praise God, uh, who, who is our shepherd, who provides, protects, and restores us. All right, so let's read Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I just ask that that you would move on our hearts this morning as we read your scripture, as we study your word this morning. Would you speak to us, Father? Would you open our hearts to receive your words? Would you give us hearts of praise when we don't want to, when we feel cold, Lord? Would you open our hearts to praise and boast in you as our good shepherd? And God, I pray for those that are perhaps going through difficult circumstances this morning, Lord. Would you, would you speak to them in a unique way this morning through your words? Build up your church this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, this is probably the most 
well-known passage in all of Scripture. This is one that we've probably heard many times before. And this idea of the Lord as a shepherd is a pretty common theme in, Bible, in the Bible. We, uh, we hear about shepherds a lot and sheep a lot in Scripture. Uh, pastors are talked about as shepherds. Uh, the priests and prophets of old were talked about as shepherds. And here, the Lord is referred to as a shepherd. And, and you know, because this is such a common theme in the Bible, it can be easy to miss what a significant statement it is to say that the Lord is my shepherd. It's a pretty wild statement. Uh, in Psalm 80, we read, uh, we read this. Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. So this is talking about God. You who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth. Think about that for a second. You, O shepherd of Israel, who is enthroned upon the cherubim. That's a pretty wild thing to say, that this shepherd, these dirty, uh, kind of on the outskirts, not very well trusted uh, man who, who sleeps in the fields with a sheep without a, tent, without a, a covering, uh, this shepherd is the one who sits enthroned in the cherubim. The, the one who, the cherubim fly around him and praise him day and night, whose robes fill the temple. This God, this exalted, incredible, all-powerful creator of the universe is my shepherd. That's pretty wild. That's a big statement. And, and this, this knowledge that my shepherd, as that little sheep nudging his buddy, my shepherd is the Lord, that gives him an incredible amount of confidence. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. That statement, I shall not want, it's, it's not the sheep uh, convincing himself not to want. It's not the sheep saying, I'm not going to want. I really got to try hard not to want because the Lord is my shepherd. No, this is, a, this is a statement of confidence in the shepherd. He's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I know I'm not going to want. I'm not going to want for anything. What am I going to be missing if the creator of the universe, the one who's enthroned upon the cherubim, is my shepherd? You see, we praise and we boast in what we value, and what we trust in. And the sheep here in this passage, David in this, in this psalm, Christians, us, our heart would be that we would praise and value and have this deep confidence and trust because our shepherd is the Lord. Our shepherd is the Lord. He, we, we express this, this confidence in them through a heart of gratitude. Um, we express it. And, and the fact that we are satisfied in him and the, and the grass and the water that he provides, that we are satisfied and so we boast in our shepherd. And that should be our confidence as well, church, is our confidence for tomorrow, our confidence in the midst of circumstances that are perhaps unnerving, is not uh, that I have a four-year degree, so it's all going to be all right, or, you know, I made a big investment in Bitcoin, and whew, it's going well, or I didn't invest in Bitcoin, and I know it's, I'm not going to lose all my money next week. Um, <laughs> that's where I stand. I'm actually jealous of all the people who put all their money in Bitcoin for now. Um, <laughs> yeah, our confidence isn't in anything in this life, church. Our confidence is in the shepherd who is the Lord. So one way that we can evaluate where our confidence is, and, and you've probably heard this before, but one way we can evaluate where our confidence is, we can look at our checkbook and we can look at our calendar, right? Um, as we look at the way we steward the money that God has given us, it says something about who our shepherd is, who we trust in who we value, who, we, who our confidence is for tomorrow that we're not going to want. Um, you know, and that can look like spending recklessly for the sake of just pleasure right now. Hey, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, so I better just enjoy what I get right now, right? 
Uh, but it can also look like saving compulsively at the expense of giving. It can say, you know what, whatever I get, I've got to hold on to because I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know if God's going to take care of tomorrow. And so I, I can't give generously because I need to take care of me first. Right? Um, and we can, do the same thing, we can do the same thing with our calendars, right? Um, I mean, money is a limited resource, but our time is far more limited than that, right? Um, you know, we often look at our calendar and say, okay, we've got to start saying no to things because, uh, well, that's a bit of a problem with us. Um, but uh, we, when we look at our calendars, we have a similar response. Do we trust God for tomorrow that we might rest today? Um, my challenge is often in not in doing, not doing enough. Some people, that's their challenge is not, you know, that laziness and not being willing to say yes to things. But often I say yes to too much and I refuse to rest. And God has given us rest and commanded us to rest. And when I refuse to do that, am I, am I trusting God that he's going to take care of tomorrow? That if I don't get everything done on my checklist today, is God going to provide for tomorrow? Um, you see in verse 4, the, the, the sheep continues. Um, the shepherd continues, or David continues here saying in verse 4, even though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And actually, I just totally skipped a whole part of my outline, so I'm going to jump back. That's right. To He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Because there is a peace and a rest from knowing that God will provide for tomorrow. And that allows us to rest. Um, now, this doesn't just mean... Um, actually, let me say this for a sec. The fact that I will lie down in green pastures, it's easy, again, to move past that quickly, but the fact that a sheep can lie down in green pastures means that the shepherd has gone before him to prepare that pasture. Um, especially in Palestine, where, the, where you didn't have green pastures don't appear naturally in these, in these, in these arid deserts where, um, where David was shepherding and where he was writing about. The shepherd would actually go before, sometimes weeks, months ahead of the sheep, to prepare the soil and prepare and salt the earth, to prepare the, the pastures for that sheep and plan their routes. And he would even walk ahead of his sheep and pull out uh, poisonous roots and plants so that the sheep wouldn't eat them as they were passing through. And so the fact that the sheep can say, I will lie, he makes me lie down in green pastures, means he trusted his shepherd has gone ahead of him. And that his shepherd is not just walking with him, because we do believe that God is with us, but he's also walking ahead of us. And that is our trust. And that's how we can say, no to things in our calendar. That's how we can trust him for today because we know that he's gone forward to tomorrow. He knows what's coming. And my Lord is my shepherd. He loves me and he cares for me. And he's looking out for tomorrow. So I can trust him for tomorrow. And as we do walk those through, the, through life, there are times where we come across dark circumstances that we were not expecting or looking for. And so we, we read in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that statement, the valley of the shadow of death, in the Hebrew it means the valley of deepest darkness or deepest shadow. So this certainly does speak of, of death itself, but for, for the sheep, that valley of deepest darkness, that valley of the shadow of death, was a place of intense and grave danger. Um, as they travel on their way up to the mountaintops to feed in the summer, uh, the sheep would have to pass through valleys. And in those valleys there were coyotes and bears hanging out, hiding in the rocks, ready to jump out at them. Um, they were exposed to the potential of flash floods as the snow was melting on the mountains. Uh, they would be very quickly, the valleys would fill up with water and they were in danger from flash floods or rock and mudslides. And uh, in this, this time of passing through the valley was a very dangerous time for the sheep. And when David writes here that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for us, that speaks of any, really any season in our lives that we face this, this danger, this, this sense of dread and doom of what, what might come. We're in a, a season of danger. 
And uh, that could be for you facing perhaps death and illness um, for yourself or for a loved one. It could speak of a, an extended time of, of depression or grief and struggling perhaps with, with besetting sin and, and destructive behaviors. It could speak of that sort of time. Or, or perhaps just feeling hopeless and trapped. Uh, you look forward to tomorrow and you don't see outs, uh, whether it's at work, perhaps in uh, a relationship with your spouse and your marriage is on the rocks and you just don't see the hope for tomorrow. And there's, there's real danger there. There's fear about what, what's tomorrow going to bring for my family, for myself, perhaps in another relationship in my life that I don't quite know what's coming next. It's, there's some darkness and some shadow in my life and I, I'm a little scared. These valleys were dangerous. They were legitimately dangerous. And so how could the sheep, or David speaking as a sheep in this context, say in the valley of the deepest shadow, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. He says it because, as we read on, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. It's the presence of the shepherd who gives him confidence in the valley of deepest shadow. It's the presence of the shepherd in your deepest shadow, even this morning, that can give you confidence to say in scary circumstances that I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you are with me. Um, It's a statement of confidence in the shepherd. And the unique thing here at this point in the psalm, the, the psalm turns from speaking in the third person about God, the Lord is my shepherd, he will provide for me, to speaking in the second person directly to God. He turns, as if the sheep turns from his sheep buddy, saying, hey, my God's the best at turning to God and saying, you are with me. It's not just he will be with me, but no, you are with me. In these dark valleys of dark shadow, in these moments of trial and danger and difficulty, there's, there's a unique way we draw close and near to God. He draws near to us as well. You are with me, and I know you are with me. It's in those moments often that we're most aware of our desperation for God, aren't we? In the difficult times, we're more aware of our need for him, that we can't do this on our own. And I say more aware of, not that we all of a sudden need him, because we need him all of life. We need him in the green pastures too, right? If he doesn't go ahead of us, we don't have that green grass, and we still need protection. We still need him all of life. But in those moments, we're most aware of it. We're most aware of it. And, and, and we're reminded that he is with us, and that's how we can have faith in the midst of those dark valleys. We can say, I will not fear, for you are with me. He goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think I have a picture here of a rod. Um, when, when the shepherd speaks of a rod, he's talking about this. It's kind of hard to see, but you see this, uh, this big stick with the kind of look, Q-tip-looking stick that he's holding on his shoulder. That's a really like, big Q-tip made out of wood. Um, this is actually a modern shepherd using, one of his, using a, a rod. And this rod was actually a symbol of power in the ancient Near East. And, and for a shepherd, it was a very uh, useful instrument. It's what he used uh, to protect his sheep. Um, so if there was danger, uh, the shepherd could strike uh, a bear or a lion with this. David actually talks about David, King David in the Bible as a shepherd. He talks about how he would kill bears. He'd grab them by the beard, which I kind of took offense to. Um, but he grabbed them by the beard and beat them with this, with this rod and killed them uh, to protect his sheep if they stole one of his sheep. And so the shepherd would protect his sheep with the rod. So it, it communicates a sense of protection um, he'd also count his sheep. When he was counting his sheep, they would pass under his rod. And that's how he would know where his sheep were. If one was missing, he could go and find it. You've read in Scripture the story about how Jesus would leave the 99 to go find the one. Right? He would count his sheep to make sure they were all safe. Um, the rod was also a tool for discipline. Uh, if a sheep was getting into some trouble, doing something he wouldn't, uh, the shepherd would lightly, I would hope, toss that rod at the sheep 
and uh, make sure he knew that he was being paid attention to and he needed to focus and stop, you know, I don't know, butting heads with another sheep. Uh, and, and, so, and so the rod, it communicates something of God's presence that in his presence with us, he's there with authority. He's there to protect us, to discipline us if needed, and he knows we are there. He's counting us as well. But it's not just his rod. He says his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And his staff is, you, you can see next uh, picture here, is that big candy cane looking thing. Um, so he's got a Q-tip and a candy cane that he carries around with him. And, uh, and the staff uh, communicated comfort and presence. Comfort and presence. Oftentimes, as, a, um, as the sheep were walking, the, uh, the shepherd would take that staff and, and touch it up against one of his favorite sheep. And as they're walking along through the pasture lands, it would communicate to that sheep the presence of his shepherd. That I'm here. You know, I love you. I care about you. And I see you. Um, you know, I... Uh, I spent some time, some of you know this story, in the Amazon rainforest in college, and we went on a trip once uh, with a group from college, and we were uh, doing a couple of different things. The only other guy on the trip was this guy named Chris, and I think I have a picture of Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, well, he likes to wrestle alligators, and his, his purpose for this trip, we spent like three months in the rainforest, was to find all of the most dangerous animals and take pictures of them. So, good guy to hang out with uh, in the rainforest. And because I was the only other guy with him on the trip, anytime he would go out on his adventures, he would bring me with him because, you know, he wanted somebody along in case he got, you know, eaten or something. <laughs> and, um, and one time Chris wanted to go looking for caiman. That's a caiman. It's like a really mean alligator. Uh, this is a small one. He wanted to go looking for caiman out there off the, off the uh, Amazon River. And so we took a couple guides with us. We jumped in a speedboat. They took us out to this little lake, at, you know, of course, at night. Um, and we took our canoes out. We went out there with flashlights looking for the eye shine on this huge, massive lake. And um, so we spent a couple hours out there. I figured, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to stay close to my guide. I'll follow his flashlight around the lake, and uh, hopefully I'll make it out of here alive. So I stayed next to my guide. It was actually a good time. I felt comfortable. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. I kind of followed him around the lake. A couple hours went by. It started raining it's like, you know what, it's probably time to head back. It's been a while since I saw the other flashlights. It's just me and my guide. So I, I paddle up next to my guide, and it's Chris. And I said, oh, man, okay. So all of a sudden, all that confidence that I had, all that peace that I had about on this lake was gone. Because now it's just me and Chris in the rain on a dark lake in the middle of the rainforest, and we haven't seen the other flashlights for hours. Um, yeah. Who you're with changes your level of confidence in a situation, doesn't it? And so it is that uh, in the dark valleys, the presence of the one who has the authority changes our perspective on that circumstance. Um, I made it out alive, in case you were wondering. I did, I did make it out. And so it is that we praise our shepherd. We praise and we boast in our shepherd who provides and protects us. He provides for us and he protects us. We praise our shepherd who provides, protects, and restores because the other use of that, that candy cane-looking staff was that often sheep would wander. We even sang about it this morning, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, as sheep, we are prone to wander. Even as Christians, we're prone to, to wander around. In the, good green va- in the green pastures, we're prone to wander off looking for greener grass. In the dark valleys, we're prone to wander off out of fear. But uh, oftentimes what would happen is a sheep would wander off from the shepherd and get into trouble. Uh, they would fall over. Uh, like a little ledge into perhaps a river bank, into a, into a river or a lake. 
And the shepherd would have to come along and he'd use that long staff to reach down and scoop up the sheep and pull them back into the fold. And pull them back into the fold. And so uh, that's what the, David is speaking of here in verse 2. He says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That restores, uh, it's talking about refreshment, yes, about refreshing our soul and reference to the still waters, but it also means to turn back. That restore means to bring back or, or bring back my soul, my essence of my being. And so God also restores us when we wander. He continues, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, when we wander, we have a shepherd who pursues us and restores us. He doesn't just leave us to fall off on our own. He, he comes after us. He does leave the 99, and he pursues us when we wander, and he restores our soul. And we see this restoration in a number of ways. Uh, we see it first in salvation. Um, this, this, this idea of restoring us speaks of the salvific work of Christ on the cross, that he left heaven and came to earth, that he might die, he might live the perfect life, die a perfect death, raise from the dead and ascend into heaven and will one day, one day return for his people. And this is, this is what God has done, that he restores our soul. He turns us from following all way because scripture says all of us like sheep have turned astray. We have all gone, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We've all wandered off as those sheep and we needed rescue. And Christ came and rescued us from the death that we deserve. And so Christ uh, is and has saved us. And perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. You haven't uh, given your life to Christ and you're, you're still wandering as your sheep saying, you know what, I don't need a shepherd. I'm good. I'm a good little sheep. I can find my own grass. Thank you very much. And, uh, and you've decided you're going to live your life your own way. You're going to be the one who tells you what's right. Um, I can tell you the worst shepherd you could possibly have is yourself. <laughs> um, we need a shepherd who loves us and cares for us. And, and Christ died for your sins that you might return to him, that he might bring you to himself. And so my prayer for you would that you would be turned, that he would turn you and restore your soul, that you might trust in him this morning. That restoring also talks of sanctification or, or the continuing work, the continuing growth of holiness in our lives. Um, even as Christians, we're prone to wander. We're prone to wander off into uh, areas of sin and disobedience that we know are false, that we know we shouldn't pursue, that we know bring death, and yet we run after them anyways. And Christ brings us back. He restores us to himself. He refreshes us and restores us. And, um, and perhaps you're here this morning and you're, you are struggling through areas of besetting sin or areas of sin that you need uh, you need grace. You need God to, to give you fresh life in it. Perhaps you're exhausted. Um, I pray that the Lord would give you refreshment this morning, that he would restore and refresh your soul as we, as we read his word. And then uh, it also speaks of a future hope. This, this restoring also speaks of that he will restore. One day he will return and restore all things to himself. And, and we read uh, further on, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful promise, church. You see, this isn't just saying, yeah, Christ has done this work, but we're hoping that, that he's going to come back. No, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We have a God. Our shepherd is the king who's conquered. He's conquered and he's purchased eternity for his people. Um, in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is a shift a little bit in the imagery that David is using. He's been talking about the shepherd and now he's talking about this, this king as playing the host and preparing a banquet. 
And when a king would conquer an enemy, he would bring in all of his defeated foes and bring the kings that he defeated in chains before him and lay them at his feet and he'd prepare a table and feast before them. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, you little sheep, you little wandering sheep that I've restored, one day as king, I will prepare before you a table in the presence of your enemies. He has defeated our enemies, church. He has conquered death and he has conquered sin. He's conquered that for you and for me. What we could not do, Christ has done by his power. The king of the universe conquered death and defeated it and will one day return and restore us to himself. And he has broken the power of, and the chains of sin and death. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Uh, this idea of follow me, it means that they, might, they would pursue me. It's like goodness and mercy are the two little sheepdogs running after us as we run this race. Uh, surely they will follow me all the days of our life. This sheep, this, this, this psalmist has such a confidence that this is going to happen. But why is that? Why, how can he have this confidence that goodness and mercy will follow me, that one day I will feast at a banquet with my king? Well, verse 3, he says, he restores me. Why? For his name's sake. Let's pause there. For his name's sake. He restores us not for our name's sake, not for our glory, but for his. He restores us because of who he is. It's, it's because of his worth, not ours, that he restores us to himself. It's because of his work that he sent Christ to, to die on the cross for our sins, to buy at an immeasurable cost what we could never earn and what we cannot lose. It's Christ's work for us and his immeasurable value that's done that for us. It's not, that, it's not like if, as a Christian, if your little uh, spiritual GPA drops because you failed the too many uh, spiritual courses, that all of a sudden you're going to be put on spiritual probation. No, his, it is Christ's work on the cross for his namesake that we are purchased by his blood. Purchased by his blood. And so we can say, surely, for sure, I have no doubt that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, even to the end when I will sit with God in heaven. This is why we can say with Romans 8.38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our hope, church, that we are joined with Christ as one because of what he's done on the cross, and nothing can separate that for us. Not your disobedience, not your failures, nothing can separate us. Amen? So whether you find yourself this morning in the green pasture, grazing happily with all that you want around you, and perhaps a little bit too content and sure of yourself and that you got this for yourself, or, or whether you find yourself walking through the dark valley of danger and you're, you're looking over your shoulder and concerned about what might be in the rocks and the creeks and the bears and the wolves and, and the coyotes in your life give you a little bit of a tremor. Oh, I pray this morning that we might turn to our shepherd and say, you are with me. My confidence is that you are with me. The one who has the rod of authority, the one who has the staff of his presence, the one who has conquered death is the, the reigning conquered king, conquering king is with me in this valley, is with me in this place. Whatever it is that's on your mind right now where you are walking through, uh, God is with you there and he has gone before you and he goes with you and he will be with you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Why? Because your king restores you for his namesake. For his name's sake. And that is where we find our comfort and our hope this morning. And that, that is my prayer that this morning your heart would be stirred. And that, that this week as you meditate and think upon what Christ has done and who your shepherd is. And that he is with you that you would be stirred to boast in 
and to praise the shepherd who provides, who protects, and restores you. And then as you, as you do that, you would boast in him to others around you, certainly. And that is part of why we sing together here on Sunday mornings. We sing together so that others might hear us prepare, boast about our God that reigns. But we also, we also preach this to ourselves. We also remind ourselves daily, this is my God. This is who he is, and this is what he's done for me. And he is with me in this place. Friends, we cannot stop reminding ourselves of this and boasting in this. The reason that David wrote this as a psalm is that we might sing it to ourselves regularly and remind ourselves regularly that God is with me. He is with me. Not just any God, but my God. Not just any shepherd, but the king of the universe is with me. The one who sits enthroned upon the cherubim is with me in this place. And he will be with me tomorrow. And he will be with me next month and next years and ten years with my children and grandchildren. My God is with me. So may that, may that drive our praise this week, friends. May that drive our boasting this week as we consider the shepherd who provides, protects, and restores. Worship team, why don't you come up? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are with us. Father, even when we feel hopeless and lost, even when we feel desperate, when we're drowning as the waters rise in the valley and the flash flood is coming and we can hear the coyotes shouting in the rocks, Lord, we turn to you and we say, we know that we have confidence for you are with us. Thank you that you have not abandoned us in those moments. You are not a God who runs and hides when the difficulties come, but you press in and draw near. Oh, Lord, I pray for those this morning who, who perhaps um, are in the midst of those valleys, Lord God. They feel that sense of fear and anxiety about the future or the present or what might be coming just next. Lord, would you visit them this morning with your presence? Would you press the, the, the side of your staff against their side that they might know that you are present, that you are here, that you are, you are near, Lord God. That you are near and you have, you have a special affection for them. They're not just any old sheep, Lord. They are your sheep. And you are near and you will provide, Lord. You will protect and you will restore as we wander. Lord, I pray uh, for those this morning who perhaps are wandering, who are, who are wandering far away and they've, they've, they're not even sure if they know the way back. Oh, Lord, would you, would you reach down and draw them up and reel them to yourself, Lord God? There's no distance that we can wander that you cannot find us, Lord. So, Father, I pray for your presence this morning. Would you, would you protect us? Would you draw us near and restore our souls? Refresh us this morning with your, with your words. Lord, refresh us with your spirit, God, as we, as we sing to you, as we pray to you, Lord God. Would you refresh our souls and give us fresh life and fresh energy for the future, Lord? For those who are exhausted in their life, in their work, in their families, their marriage and relationships, Lord, give us fresh refreshment in life as we sing to you this morning. Amen. I want to take a moment to sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. As we sing this song, if you do, um, if there's something unique that you'd like prayer for this morning, perhaps you do find yourself wandering in one of those dark valleys, and you just like to pray. Um, we'll be up front. Our pastors, Alan Corey, will be up here. I'll be there. Um, you can also turn to one of, your, one of your fellow sheep next to you and say, hey, I need a little nudge. Remind me who my God is. Remind me what he's done for me. Let's pray together, church, as we sing. If you like prayer, please come forward, whether for that or for something else this morning. And, and, and let's seek God. Let's sing this morning. This, one of the things I love about this song is verse 1. It starts by saying, 
Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Perhaps, perhaps you're having a hard time singing God's praises. There's just something in there, I just don't feel like it. That's okay. That's why, we, that's why we're given the psalms, we're given this language that we might turn to him and say, God, give me a song, tune my heart that I might sing to you. Give me that boasting and that praise in your heart. So let's stand together and sing, Come thou fount of every blessing.